verse 24 says, and God said, and at the end it says, and it was so. Hallelujah. I'm going to speak a little bit this morning on this. God said, dot, 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 it is so. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on now, don't stop the worship just because you hear me. Like I've said, I can talk all morning and nothing change. But when the king begins to speak, all of hell begins to tremble. Every chain you brought in the door begins to just let go. Every wall that you built up and placed in the way begins to fall down. Every sickness that you brought through the door begins to get tripled and walk away. When my God speaks, it is so. Hallelujah. Skip on to the book of John. One through five says, he reminds us, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Oh, and the Word was God. Amen. The same was in the beginning with God. So what we've learned is from the beginning was God. And with God is all his power and all his might. He is God. All right? We've got that clear. It said all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Here we go. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness and darkness comprehendeth hid not. So in the beginning was our God. Our God said, let it be, and it popped up, and there it was. All the way down thousands of years to this point, and John is reiterating, in the beginning was God. He said it, it happened, and now here we are, and he's still saying it, and it's still happening. Hallelujah. Skip on down to verse 10. It says, he was in the world. The world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own. His own received him not. Sounds a little crazy. Power, God, the, the creator of it all was there, and nobody knew. But, it says, but as many as received him, those that said, I believe, Jesus, hallelujah, to them Gave he power, hallelujah, to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, come on, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So he's reiterating God's power. It was, it is, and it's still happening. And he's saying he's taking it another step forward to give you that power that he has. Hallelujah. Come on, God said it. It is so. Amen. We see Jesus enters the temple before any knew who he was. In Luke, the fourth chapter, 16 through 21, says that he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Here's the Lord standing out in the middle of church. He opens up his word. Amen. 
says, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. He done said it. Amen. He done said it. Says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, amen, gave it to the preacher, sat down and all the eyes were on him what what is this says and he began to say this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears he's been saying it from the beginning of time and it's been happening he's been saying live to the dead and they rise again he's been telling the dry bones you will live again you will live again and the dead bones are standing up dancing Hallelujah. He walks into church right here, opens the word that he spoke about hundreds of years before and said, this is happening today. Amen. He says, if you walked into the house broken, I will heal you. If you walked into the house bound in chains and in afflictions and in mental torment of this world, I am the one who will set you free. Hallelujah. And then he put a period on it when he said, this is the day. Amen. He's still speaking. He's still speaking. Jesus says in John, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. Greater works than these shall he do because I go unto the Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. God said it. It is so. Hallelujah. Come on. If he stood up and said, let there be light and light shone, what he's saying right here is saying, all you got to do is ask me. All you got to do is say, Lord, Save my son. And he says, it is done. Hallelujah. Heal my body. And he says, raise them hands. It is done. Hallelujah. John 14, a little further says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So he's saying, I'll do it. But you got to believe. You got to follow. You got to love. He says, and I will pray the Father. Here's him another promise. And he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. Hallelujah. For he dwelleth with you. Hallelujah. And shall be in you. There's the power. 
Hallelujah. It ain't nothing what Brother John can do. But what it is is the Jesus that is filled, Brother John, and Brother Rusty, and Brother David, and Brother Sneed, and you, and you, and you. That's the power. He says, I will come to you. I will. Yet a little while, the world seeth me no more. But ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. Again, another promise. That doesn't say I've got to climb through this world on my hands and my knees and just barely make it to the gates of heaven. But he's saying, no, son, I want you on your feet. I want your chest held out and your head up high. It says, if God be for me, what can be against me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God said it. It is so. Hallelujah. Gets me to this point right here. I got a little bit. Gets me to this point right here. Years pass. Jesus is crucified. Rises again on the third day. Hallelujah. He's standing on the hill of ascension. Tells his disciples, we ain't done here, boys. Go to Jerusalem and pray. Because I'm sending you some power. Amen. They could have stood there and said, well, I'm not too sure. But I think they rolled it on back and said, he said it. It is so. The one who created the heaven and the earth, the oceans, the land we're standing on, the air I'm breathing, the very life in this blood and in this body told me to go pray that he's got something for me. So there they were praying. Oh, and you know the story. All of a sudden there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. As they began to speak in other tongues and began to feel and experience that power, they come pouring out of the room and everybody in the world says, what are you doing, you crazy lunatics? Peter said, this is that. You say, what, what is he talking about? He's saying, God said it. And here it is. God said he was going to do this from the beginning. And now here we are living in the day where the comforter, him, he is filling our lives with his spirit. Come on now, somebody. And it gives me that promise, that same one he spoke of. In Joel, the second chapter, and it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on just the good ones, just the kind of good ones, just the ones that got it all figured out. No, he said it. I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters. Come on, that's a promise to my family. Shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days. Well, I pour out my spirit. So maybe you look at me, this crazy red-headed lunatic. Say, what is his problem? Well, God said it. And it is so. That's my problem. Yep. Come on. He's had promises from the beginning for you and for me. 
I don't know what words of prophecy you've heard or what God's been telling you. Somebody in this house has taken it and tried to forget about it. But I am here to remind you, to remind all of hell. God said it. It is so. Hallelujah.
or visitor today, we welcome you here today. How do we feel about our guests and visitors? Hallelujah. Y'all just preach with us. We're doing a little different this morning, but y'all just preach with us. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place this morning. Hallelujah. If you would, turn with me to Daniel 3. You don't have to stand. Daniel 3, and I'll begin reading at verse 20. And I'm going to go a little fast so y'all stay up with me. And he commanded the most mighty men. This is King Nebuchadnezzar. He commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Verse 21, these, then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. I want to just preach to you just for a moment. It is what it is, but it is not what it seems. Huh. Anybody just ever get tired of dealing with something you know in yourself that you can't change? 
Have you ever said this? It is what it is. It's almost a cliche now because it's used so much. You know you can't change the aspect of it. You know you can't change the problem. You know you can't do anything. So you get to the just to what your solution is, and it is what it is. I guess I'll just deal with it. I guess I'll just go through it. But pretty much just saying it's it's done. It's it it is what it is. I lost my job. It is what it is. The doctor's report is still saying uh, nothing has changed and it's probably going to get worse. It is what it is. Lost a relationship. It is what it is. I don't have that friendship no more. It is what it is. Anybody? Let me swap it up. We know what an optical illusion is, correct? If I went around this room, obviously that's the biggest glass I could find around here you would see that this pen and this pencil that's in this water looks like it's off. Looks like it's not a straight pen. Looks like it's bent. Almost cut in half if you really look at it. It is what it is when I look at it. It is what it is because that's what my eyes see is something is bent. Something is cut in half. But that's not what it seems because the fact is this, when I pull it out of this water, it's still a straight pen. It still has its original form. Y'all, we can't always count on our senses and perception because they fool us sometimes. You may have many things uh, going through your head this morning about your life and what you're going to become and so on and so on. What you don't know is there's going to be some things that happen with you that you have no control over, that you can't change. Many uh, things in this life that society tells you will bring happiness and fulfillment, but they don't. They can be good things, but money, success, marriage, and even family will only give you temporary satisfaction. Things are not always what they seem. Y'all just stay with me. A shipwrecked man was once washed ashore on an uninhabited island in the days that followed. Uh, he constructed a hut with a few things he salvaged from the wreck out from whatever he could find on the island. That little hut was the only protection he had from the harsh elements and the only place he could safeguard his possessions. Upon returning one evening from getting stuff that he needed uh, and searching out the, the, the land, he came back and found what terrified him. His, his hut was engulfed in flames. The loss devastated him. He spent that night just, just in you know, loneliness, just in depression, just broken and sleeping on just the island ground. And he woke up early the next morning. To his surprise, saw a ship anchored right off the island. He ran over and met the ship captain. And the captain said, I saw a fire that led me to this island. Let me just tell some folks today, you might get to a point in your life where you say, it is what it is. This problem, it is what it is. But God is using that situation to send a gulf of fire that says, hey, it may look bad, but there's victory. It's not what it seems. Ha. Oh, I just read to you about three Hebrew young men 
who were, who were bound because they didn't bow to an idol god. You see, they had, they had their heritage taken away. They were captives. They, had, they even had pagan names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wasn't even their names. That was their Babylonian names. They weren't allowed to keep their heritage. And here they find themselves. And I, I encourage you to go read it because it's a lengthy reading that I wanted to read but don't have time. But the fact is this. There was four of them. And I'm not sure where the other one is in this time. He's somewhere around. But it's just talking about the three. But Daniel, obviously a lot of us know about Daniel, how he could interpret dreams. And the king, he interpreted his dreams, King Nebuchadnezzar's dreams, and turned around and he used them. Well, in that process, Daniel took three advisors, which was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he, they find themselves in a good position. They find themselves under the king's protection now because everything seems all right. They're better than his his already advisors that are Babylonian. So he uses them. But now he finds that they find themselves in a situation that the king has made a, a decree that he's constructed a golden image that he says, when the music starts playing, you will bow down wherever you're at, no matter who you are, you'll bow down and worship this golden image. Well, a snitch was in the camp. And went to the king and said, hey, your chosen advisors that you had are not doing what you told them to do. They're not bowing down when this music is playing. So it made the king mad. He calls for him and says, hey, I've used y'all in my kingdom. And you're telling me you're not going to bow down after the decree I made for you to worship this. And they said, sir, you put us in a bad situation. But we're just going to tell you, we don't bow down to no other god. We serve one God, and his name's Jehovah Jireh. A story goes on. The king gets so infuriated, he says, Hey, I want you to turn that fiery furnace up seven times. And the Bible says he even asked the strongest men in his army to bind those three young men and throw them in. Look. It was so hot that those two caught on fire and the king didn't recognize as they were tossing them down until later, maybe a few seconds. I don't know the time, but it had to be a few seconds because them old boys, they don't burn up. And he looks down. Looks down because I can already see at that point in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's life, as they told the king pretty much, it is what it is. Either God's going to save us or he's not, but we're not bowing down to this golden image. So they got to a point in their life, it is what it is, but they didn't know it wasn't what it seemed because the Lord had something in his hand. The Lord had a plan. The Lord had something bigger. The Lord had something brighter. And it says when he looked down, he was astonished because he said, hey, didn't we throw three in? I see four, and the one looks like the Son of God. It is what it is, but it is not what it seems because God said, hey, you're going to catch on fire today, but when, I, when you come out, you're going to impact everybody 
Shadrach, and Abednego. The God that you serve is the God I'm going to serve. And I'll make a decree right now. That from this day forwards, we will serve the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you don't worship him, we'll cut you up in pieces. Oh. What? It is what it is, but it is not what it seems. Why? Because at one moment, in the same amount of time that the, the king was saying, hey, if you don't bow down to this golden image, you're going to catch on fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It is what it is. And then a few minutes later, we're going to worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I just come to, I come to tell somebody this morning, I don't know your situation, I don't know your struggle, I don't know your battle, but I come to tell you, you might have said it is what it is, but I come to tell you, it's not what it seems. You just keep worshiping, you just keep praising him, you just keep lifting him up. Because God's got something bigger and better. King David, let me just tell you, four to five times smaller than the man he was fixing to fight. It is what it is, Lord, but I'm not going to let him defy the God that I serve. It wasn't what it seemed. The woman with the issue of blood for 12 long years got to a point in her life, it is what it is. If I get my fingers trampled on, if I get stomped all over, if I get hurt, it doesn't matter. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. It's not what it seems. This is it. What it is is our eyes play optical illusions on us. We look at the situation and go, my life is bent. But God is going, no, it's not. It's not what it seems. I've got it in control. Quit looking at yourself, yourself through the situation and trying to figure out what you can do. Just say it is what it is because it's not what it seems. I don't know if you hear me because the fact is this. Nebuchadnezzar's life was changed at that moment. Why? Because somebody said, it's not about me no more. It is what it is about him. And he impacted somebody else's life. Quit staying on your situation. Quit dwelling on the problem. Just hand it over to God and say it is what it is. Because I know it's not what it seems. That's all right, worship him. If you came in with a problem, you just speak it right now. It is what it is, Lord. It is what it is, Lord. Search the world, but it couldn't feel the 
treasures that fade. It's your opportunity. Know. Don't miss your opportunity. Then you came on and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied. Oh, here in your love. Hey, oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing.
somewhere between 50 and 20 men 50 15 and 20 men went out to Denny's yesterday and ate a little breakfast brother Jamie puts that together and uh, what a wonderful time I did not get to be there I was having to travel and I couldn't be avoided right now but they tipped the waitress a little over $450 it was a great outreach for our church Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. To our guests, you see we're doing things a little different here this morning. And uh, God is, like somebody would say, all up in the middle of it. He's all up in the middle of it. Amen. God bless you. We don't receive offerings during our service, if you would like to give, there will be an usher standing at the back. There's also a square where you can give out in the foyer. Or you can go on mylifepointchurch.com. You can see any of our messages there. You can go keep up with us and what's going on, and you can give as well. 
Let me close this service out. You ready? Psalm 122 and 1. David speaks of a setting just like this. And I'm going to be like Brother John, Brother David, where I'm on the same time clock they were on. I got 14 minutes to get it done. For a 50-minute preacher, that's a hard day's work. Psalm 122 and 1, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. If you were here at Sunday school, I don't apologize, but as soon as I got through that door and was getting ready for what I was going to be preaching in this little short segment today, the Lord said, you got to finish what you started. I want you to hear me right now. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And this right here, what we're feeling today, is exactly why he said that. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 1 through 7, we'll read. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. Somebody say hard questions. She came to get her questions answered, and she came to Jerusalem with a very great train with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stone. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all of her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built, and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent, by which he went up into the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. Did you hear that? There was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, It was a true report I heard in mine own land of thy acts of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believe not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. She said, everything I've been hearing over there where I come from, now that I've looked at it, I realize I hadn't even heard half of it. I want to just preach to you for about 12 and a half minutes the everlasting impact of God's house. The everlasting impact of God's house. You can be seated. We must understand who the queen of Sheba was. Listen close. She was the queen of both an Ethiopian and Arabian kingdom called Saba. It is the present-day uh, nation of Yemen. She was of Islamic faith and had heard of the wisdom of Solomon and his God and his temple and his teachings. I began to do a little study today and uh, discovered that uh, there are no maps, there's no one at this point that has concluded uh, from the main city of Yemen to the city of Jerusalem, how many miles it was. But by air, by flight, it's 1,264 miles. You hear that? 1,264 miles. 
They say that by any land crossing and any water crossing, it would be more in the idea of 1,600 miles by land. I want to tell you that somebody of a faith and of another belief system and of another religion and another ideology heard about God's house and made a 1,600-mile trek to just go hear the wisdom of that God. I said this morning, I'll say it again. We're at 1600 Griffith and we have a hard time getting here on paved roads for five or six miles. She travels 1600 miles across a land base to just go hear about this God that she didn't know about. Watch this right here. We're going to examine. The Bible said she had questions and Solomon answered them all. We're going to look into these questions right here. Here's the short answer. David said it well in Psalm 84 and 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. He said, let me tell you something. I'd rather be at church than I had be a thousand days anywhere else. He went on to say, and you can do your study on this. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wickedness. He said, I would rather stand and make sure everybody comes in is Jewish. Folks, it's quite a job. It's a nasty job. It's a hard job. It's a tough job. But here's what he says. I'd rather make sure every man that walks in that door is truly a Jew than to be all out here in the world with all the rich folks. He was talking about I'd rather be in the house of my God and I'd better be loving him than I had be in the house of the wicked that are rich and own it all. When the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. She came to prove him with hard questions. Notice this. This Islamic queen from this great land or over two lands that was very rich and, and then her mother before her was queen and hers before her. She came with questions. I want to tell you something, folks. When the Lord God Almighty begins to move across the land, it'll cause everybody of every degree of wealth and popularity to question their own faith and their own idea and their own understanding of who God really is. She she made a 1,600-mile journey with a train carrying gifts of gold and silver and diamonds and jewels just to go see about this God. Uh, modern engineers are figuring out how all these buildings were built and all of these things, but one of the points I want to make to you is just to build that building that she wanted to see, just to get to the house of God. There were 3,300 contractors. There were 3,300 work crews working around the clock for seven years. The cost of that building, Solomon gave 20 cities away that were connected to the city and to the place and to the statehood of Galilee. It took seven years to build God's house. But don't forget, the main reason she came was not to see the house. It was not to see the house. It was not to see the gold. It was not to see the altar. It was not to see the Holy of Holies. But she came to get her questions answered. I want to tell you something, folks. If you can get to the house of God, you can get your questions answered. This is something that blew me away. 
in my study, the two main columns that held up this incredibly large building with 50-foot ceilings on the inside. There were two main columns at the entryway. They were so massive and so incredible one-piece columns that they were named. One was named Boaz and one was named Jacob. Boaz means God's strength and Jacob means God's direction. I want to tell you this morning, anytime you make a commitment, especially a sacrificial commitment, to go find out about the one true living God, his house, his people, and what we do here, there's three things you're going to have. You're going to get answers, you're going to get strength, and you're going to get direction. There's people that showed up here today with questions, you're going to get answers. There's people that showed up here today, you're lost, you're going to get direction. There's people showed up here today, you're weak and feeble in your spirit, but you're going to be strengthened because the house has an everlasting impact. You Sunday schoolers, don't bail out on me now. You know the word. It's your opportunity to help somebody else get it. I want to tell somebody in this place today, I've noticed over 25 years now of ministry that the first thing that happens is when people quit coming to the house. By choice. When people quit coming to the house, the first two things that happens is they lose their strength and then they lose their direction. It won't be long. What used to be wrong is now okay. What used to be okay is now wrong. What used to be the right direction, now suddenly we're headed in the wrong direction. Oh, I want to tell you something, folks. If you'll make a commitment to let the house and the wisdom of the house and the God of the house, there'll be an everlasting impact in your life that'll change you for eternity. Before you even get in the church good, you've had to come past strength. You've had to come past direction. I watched them. They quit coming. It's not long. They're not the same people. It's not long there's family struggles. It's not long there's affairs. It's not long people go broke. It's not long the homes are messed up. It's not long the devil has his hand in their business. But I'm going to tell you there's proof. You can bring somebody from another religion that's strong in opposition to yours. And you can let them be exposed to the wisdom and the spirit of God one time. And it'll make an everlasting impact that nothing can ever change. Woo. A recent study shows a few of the top things that people are looking for in a church. A nice building, good fellowship, good programs, good parking, clean restrooms, good sound system, and good child care. I want to tell you something, folks. I believe in programs. I believe we need a nursery. That's better than ever. I believe we got to have good fellowship. I believe that good parking is good and a clean building and a good mowed yard, which we can provide it all. But I want to tell you something. These are not the reasons why I show up here on Sunday. I show up here on Sunday because I got questions. I show up here on Sunday because I need direction. I show up here on Sunday because I need to be strengthened in the Holy Ghost. Come on, don't quit me now. I said it before and I'll say it again. I woke up yesterday morning 
Literally, this ain't in my notes. I said it earlier today. I'm saying it again now because I feel it. I woke up yesterday morning. Most everybody here knows my father-in-law passed away. My mother-in-law went on to her reward about 12 years ago. And my wife and her brother inherited a, a, a lake property over in Louisiana, 1,800 square foot, nice three-bedroom, two-bath. The water's up right now a little bit. It's about 60 feet. I could have sat on the front porch in my sleeping clothes and fished for bass. That's what I woke up to yesterday morning. I wish I had a picture. It's, it's beautiful. Cypress trees, Louisiana swamp land. I can get on a boat and go from that little lake over the Weir to the Washita River to the Mississippi and to any ocean in the world from 60 feet from my property. We got the bishop sitting here. We've already heard two good preachers this morning. And something said, boy, you ought to just stay here. You're tired. You're beat down. You're wore out and take a little rest. But then there was another spirit. And that other spirit said, it's five hours home. And your back will be killing you before you get to Shreveport. But you know what's going to happen? The Holy Ghost is going to be moving. And you're going to find direction. And you're going to find strength. And you're going to have your questions answered. I want to tell you, if you make it to where you come to church every single time, the doors are open. You won't think you're going crazy very long. You won't be weak very long. You won't lose direction for very long. Here's what the Bible said. She brought a train load. A train load 2,000 miles 1,600 miles, I'm sorry. A train load of gold and silver and jewels and diamonds and things to help him build and complete the project because of what she had heard. The Bible tells us that when she left, she left with more value than she came. You know what that lets me know? A hundred billion dollars in a gold bullion train cannot buy one experience. Amen. The apostle said, your money perish with you. You can't buy the Holy Ghost. You can't buy what you feel. You can't buy this authority. You can't buy direction and answers and strength. Y'all get ready to shut me down right now. Here's what it says. The Bible said that she lost her spirit when she saw it. I wondered if she died. So I looked in it to see what spirit is. My time's up right now. But I'm fudging. Hey, they want to know what the spirit was. I want to know what the spirit is. The spirit left her. There's two meanings. The meaning it means right here is her breath left her. You know what happened? She went, oh. Her lungs filled and she exhaled. All of the breath and life left her because of the incredible joy and wisdom and speaking and preaching and singing. She was watching them go up and come down in the name of the Lord. She was watching sinners be healed. Sick be healed. Sinners be baptized. Alcoholics filled in the modern day with the Holy Ghost. 
All types of addictions breaking and falling all over the temple. Because before you get in the church, you're going to find direction and you're going to find strength and the God of the house is going to answer your questions. I close with this 45 seconds. 2011 archaeologists from the University of Calgary found the civilization of Sheba where she comes from. It's in modern day Yemen. They uncovered the vast majority of what they were allowed to uncover. What they found there was a replica of the outer courts. They found a replica of the inner courts. And they found a replica of the Holy of Holies. It impacted her so much that not only did she leave a train load of gold after a 1,600 mile wagon ride, but she carried the blueprints home into her Muslim nations. But let me make this last statement. I don't care who you are, where you come from, you can replicate the building. You can learn the song. You can hire in big guns and big singers to play the music and sing the songs. But if the God of glory ain't here, you've done nothing but build a wall and waste your money. Come on, I want us to stand. I'm going to challenge you to step out of your pew one more time and allow the God of the house to make an eternal impact on you. There's an everlasting effect. This ain't no ordinary worship. Come on somebody. I dare you to praise him. I dare you to get out of your comfort zone. Anybody need to be healed? Come on. Anybody want to be delivered? Come on.
just what you've been accustomed to. I'm going to tell you what I feel right now. I'll tell you what I feel. I believe you may not have come 1,600 miles with billions of dollars worth of gold and jewels, but you made a sacrifice to walk into the unknown. And you hadn't left yet. So here's my challenge to you. If you're sick in your body, if you're sick in your mind, if you're sick in your finances, if you're sick of seeing your family tormented by hell itself, if you're sick, if God said it, and Brother David preached it is what it is, but it's not what it seems to be. I was trying to get him to say, the good news is, the bad news is wrong. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I don't care what your problem is. If you got a sacrifice of this. When they hit that song, this ain't no ordinary worship. If you'd lift your hands and open your mouth and begin to praise God. Those things are going to change. I declare that in Jesus' name. Let's get ready. Get your hands up. This ain't no ordinary worship. It is done. It is done. This ain't no ordinary song. Yeah, a little right here, brother. The God I serve is greater than the ordinary. I'm going to give it all I have in this Sunday. So I'm 
Give it all.